Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. Well, we were on this thing of the people of the king. And uh, the people of the king, another term is they are citizens of God's kingdom. Look at these verses that uh, we are citizens of, of heaven. Our identity our, is a place that we are citizens of, of heaven. And even though we're on earth, that's our identity. And the thing is, is this world down here is a city that's not lasting. <laughs> we have another city we're going to, another kingdom that will come when the f- kingdom is fully consummated. And we're seeking and desiring for that to take place. But here on earth for a particular purpose. And while we're here, it says in Ephesians, it says that through him, speaking of Jesus, we both, you and I, have access to one spirit, to the Father, so then that you are no longer stranger or aliens, but you are, guess what we are? We are fellow citizens, and we are with the saints of all the other people who know Jesus, and we are members of God's household. That's what it means when we talk about the people of the king. In, in uh, Peter, it refers to the people of the king as people who are living stones, uniquely shaped. You guys know you're uniquely shaped? I'm pretty uniquely shaped. You're uniquely shaped. You have different personalities, different ways, and they're all coming together with Christ as the cornerstone, hooking together and making this house in which God dwells. That's the we we're talking about. It talks about us being this place that we talked about last week, a city on a hill, a light to the world, but it's not individually, it's us as a light to the world. We stand out, we're a city on a hill. We are a priesthood of believers, and we are God's chosen, and we are God's holy people. Now, that is over the top, but it's true. And it's not because anything except for what Christ has done for us and why we can be in this position. And the thing about this is that we understand that through Christ, even though we are, have a lot of struggles and mess-ups, we know through Christ we've been made right with God. We have made holy because of Christ, not ourselves. But holy, when you understand what holy means, when it's talking about us being a holy people, what it's referring to is this place primarily of us being set apart for a holy purpose. And it's this whole understanding that when it talks about holy, it's talking about you... This, this household of believers, this, these, us as fellow citizens, we are a holy, we're a set-apart people who are distinct. And so when we look at these distinctions, we can start seeing that we're distinct, different than the world. And the reason we're distinct is we, as we grow in connection to God and loving one another, we become and we reflect who Jesus is to the world as we praise him. So we've talked in this series, Danielle started this out, and these are going to be very short, so I know, especially those who taught, that didn't cover it all, I know it didn't, but we are people of spirit and truth. That's the distinction of us. We live and we trust the Bible and Scripture, but we also live open and wide to the, to the Holy Spirit, right? And we, we live in that all the time, that's the way that we, it directs our life, it makes us distinct. It's this spot that what Caleb talked about is that we, the, the, we are a people. It means that we're actually an us, 
And you have to realize that's difficult because we live in an America, I, society. We're just, everything's I. But according to God, we are in us. You are part of me and I'm a part of you. And then I talked about this place that we as God's people, the people of the king, we know that our king is all-powerful, all-good, and he's sovereign. And so what this does for us, we live differently because guess what? When we know he's in control, we no longer have to be in control. Have you found being in control of your life is quite exhausting, right? right? So it gives this tremendous freedom of knowing that even though circumstances can be very difficult, we're able to find peace and freedom and even joy in the most difficult of circumstances that we find ourselves in. <clears throat> and last week, I talked about this thing of suffering. Paul was saying to the Philippians, you're doing really good, but I want you to understand this more. I want you to come into my suffering, and, as I, and I, I come and have joy to come into your suffering. And, you know, we're in a world that sin has taken place, that there is evil, and there's the fall, and there's all kinds of injustice and pain that's in this world. God is not the author of that. But we look at how we're to live in that world like that. Jesus shows us, because Jesus <clears throat> came into this world, did everything perfectly, and yet what? He suffered. Yet in that, God used it for this dynamic place of him entering into our suffering and us and, and uh, him going to his father and his suffering and this transformation takes place. And that we are a spot that we are to be rejoicing with each other and we're also to suffer. We, we can enter into people's pain and you can enter into mine and I can enter into yours. It's very distinct. So, today what I want to talk about is on the people thing. I want to talk a little bit about humility. All right? Because for all these things I just mentioned <clears throat> to actually take place in our community, Virginia Community Church, it will require you to have humility. Humility is this amazingly beautiful thing that allows God to be released in particular ways that are just amazing and powerful. Humility, let me just read you just without the addresses, some scriptures, right out of scripture. You know, God will lead those to what is right who are humble. God teaches the humble his ways. The humble find wisdom. Whoever humbles himself as a child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. Ephesians says, be completely humble. Peter says this, clothe yourself, all of you, with humility towards one another. God gives grace to the humble. Humble is a really good thing. <laughs> and it creates all kinds of amazing things that transform our life. And so, understanding the people of the king understand that, he, that the power of humility. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, is what we're talking about as far as the power of humility. Now, 
I'll give you, I want to start with just kind of some, a little bit of a definition here, is the power of humility is, is basically like this. If you, if you hear Jesus talking about his invitation to us, it's often, come to me and find life. I'm living water, and you're thirsty. It's what you're longing for, the deepest part of yourself. Come to me, and I am that living water. And then when we come to him, we get to the place of ex- receiving that living water. And guess what happens? Then that living water boil, bubbles up out of us. The whole imagery of life to the full is a place that the, the people of God are in this place of giving and receiving. Taking in and bearing fruit and experiencing that and then having it's just this whole cycle. Living water coming in us, fulfilling us, and coming out of us. So if you imagine the goodness of God, the things that God has for this church, and you think, how is that going to happen? Here's what I can say about humility. Humility releases that. But there's this other thing. You guys know what the other thing is? Pride blocks that. To understand humility, it's really important to realize that Pride is a part of humility to, you have to understand. To, because even when you look at the definition of humility in the dictionary, um, the number one definition of the Marian Dictionary says that humility is not being proud. <laughs> to living in a state of humility means to not be proud or arrogant. So the very way it's defined is often that. And, uh, but sometimes we have, we have to realize that many times you've heard that word humility and it is sometimes not defined very well biblically. So we're going to do a little definition just before we get into the text of what the difference is and the contrast of humility versus pride. Because in our culture, right, who wants someone to say, oh, that person is so proud in a wrong way? Like, no, I don't want that. So we have this kind of imagery that we swing to like this quiet guy that never says anything, he's a humble person, and this jerk that just keeps talking about himself and you can't get him to shut up and brags about everything and is self-centered and all that, he's proud, and thank goodness I'm neither one of those. That's kind of how we think about it. Quite honestly, we find ourselves in places that we just think, oh, I don't want to be proud, but in America, we're proud to be proud. Not in a good way of proud, like the proud of your grandkid. I mean, proud in the sense of we think, you know, we have slogans like, look out for number one. <laughs> that is a, a very dark slogan. <laughs> but in our culture, it's like, well, yeah, pretty much. Take care of yourself first. You know, that makes sense. And we actually have whole places where we're, we, we celebrate people who have who've raised themselves up in ways that we think, yeah, that's good. And, and pride is this place, but when the Bible speaks of pride, it's talking about this place that's much deeper in our heart. And it's not for those proud people. Or this. It is everybody, everyone in this room, whether you're smallest or the oldest or the tallest or whatever, you have this issue of pride. Every human struggles with pride. And that's a start there. And, uh, and, and pride, according to Scripture, is raising up yourself up to a place that you aren't. Right? It's raising yourself above who you truly are, according to what God says. 
It's raising yourself above other people. Now, none of you do that, do you? See, it's a whole continuum of how that might look. But out of pride, sin is birthed. You know, it is the root, right? If you think about, think of your favorite sin. Oh, not your favorite sin, your worst sin, right? It is birthed out of pride. You can pretty well put it across the line. This is how God, that's how the fall took place, and it has continued on. And it can be a big range, but out of pride comes self-righteousness, slander, gossip, I'll just name a few, condemning others, condemning yourself, judgment, prejudice, racism, hatred, rage, sexual sin, abuse, violence, gone. That started of someone seeing another person as less than themselves and less valuable than themselves. And it has this kind of continuum. It can be <clears throat> subtle, like didn't happen today. I was hoping it wouldn't. I was ready for it, though. Common thing happens. I'm a little late. I was really late this morning. Then when I want to be here, and uh, I don't know, you know, Dorothy Ferry, if you're a Kirkwood person, Kirkwood, you, it's not really 30 miles an hour. It is much higher than that. But some people don't know that, and they seem to get in front of me on the way to church. <clears throat> and as I'm praying for my time of church, I'm praying for the stupid person in front of me that is not worthy of the grace of God because they slowed me down. Okay? <clears throat> it happens all the time. And it can go escalate that to slandering a person or bringing harm to a person. But the root of that is pride and raising ourselves above others. But also in Scripture, pride is raising ourselves above God. You guys have never done that, have you? You know? I mean, I remember when I, before I fully yielded myself to Jesus... I had particular times, quite a number of them, where I knew God was prompting me to yield my entire life to him. And I said basically this, you need me. And I said, no, I don't. I want to be the God of my life. That did not bring a lot of fruit in my life, right? And then after I became a Christian, I still have this place of understanding that it's so easy don't you understand this as Christians? To fall into the place of self-righteousness or raising yourself up by lowering someone else in the way you view them. But here's the beautiful thing. God has given us this beautiful gift called humility. <laughs> and, and that's why you look at the Greek word of humility, it just says to make oneself low. Because he knows we're always drifting to making ourselves above. And humility isn't lowering ourselves and devaluing ourselves. It's allowing us to align to who we truly are so we can experience life. But pride is always trying to take us into a place that we don't belong. It's not who we are. One theologian says, it was actually in the Greek commentary, so he says that this happens when 
one, humility happens when one comes fully dependent on the Lord, dismissing reliance upon self and self-government and emptying one's carnal ego. And then God gets to come in. And this amazingly powerful thing happens that the greatest among you will be your servant and those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted and God opposes the proud but gives favor to the humble. Now, this is what Paul is talking to the Philippians about. The thing is, they're getting it. They're already tasting it of being a servant and entering into to Paul's situation, but he's getting it. He's so excited and he has joy, but he wants his joy to be even greater and see what's going to happen with the Philippians. So let's go through this. If you want to turn there, we're going to be at Philippians starting in, in chapter 1, verse 29. I'm putting this in the ESV version. Wait, Caleb, what Bibles are we giving away? Are they ESV or NIV? ESV. Very good version. Uh, ESV, and you can see other versions so if you're saying, I don't know what translation, there seems to be way too many on that app I have. You might start with some of these here, NIV or uh, New Living Translation. It's a little bit easier to read, but they're real, it's a good translation. Okay, let's go through this together. So as we go through this, just be, again, listening for God to be communicating. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now here that I still have. And that's discussing what we talked about last night. He starts out by this place of understanding that he knows that they are part of him and what he's experiencing the suffering and also finding God in that suffering, they can enter into, and as he enters into the Philippian suffering, he actually gets to experience God as well. He's saying, I want you to learn this. And he, so this is a continuation of that thought. And he says, so if there is any encouragement, again, here's what we're talking about. He's already clear that they're already feeling the starting. Like after they've helped him in prison and they're getting a hold of this, they're getting an understanding of this humility thing. He says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection or sympathy or maybe compassion, he says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accordance and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to their own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And so he's helping to say, what I'm wanting is I'm wanting all of you and what you'd be saying is, I want all of Vineyard Community Church to be of the same mind, to think with the same attitude in the way you live life, to be unified in that. And then he describes what that is, and he talks about this place of the mindset in verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you, not only to look to his own interests, but also the interests of others. And this is the mindset that he's talking about. 
And he goes on to explain Jesus, and this is, he's our model for this mindset, who, though he was in the form, speaking of Jesus, was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in the human form, he humbled himself and became becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And so this is what Jesus came and showed. It's understanding when Jesus came, this, is, this section is probably considered the most central part of what's working the whole Philippians letter. In this place of Jesus being the center of this is what I want you to be as a people. And if you look at that, is Jesus came and he chose to do what was for us. And what he did was he, he fully divine, equal with God, but by choice he made himself a human and did not grasp his divinity for his own purposes, for himself. But for us, he chose to do it a different way. He chose to make himself a servant and show us, because he's showing us this is how humans live on, this is how citizens of heaven <laughs> live on the earth. This is how the people of the king live. And he describes what he did, and he ended up yielding his life to the point he laid down his life for us, and then we see the power that comes in humility. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and in earth, under the earth, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, as we focus in like on 3 through 7, this is where I want to focus in on. And that verse that I've highlighted a bit there, or bolded a little bit, it says, have, the mind among your, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So when you begin looking at this and you think, that seems hard. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. That seems beyond my human capacity to live with this attitude. And what he's saying is because of Christ and his spirit within you, God can teach you to live like this. It's yours in Christ. For Vineyard Community Church we can grow and live like this to greater and greater degrees. And as we look at this, what we start understanding is this is what Paul is saying is, I want all of you Philippians among your church to have the same mind. And all these things that I, I long for will start happening. But you see, it happens because of this thing that happens in our heart. You know, a verse that just, I've, you've heard me use it a lot because this is the unfortunate thing about me. If God's talking to me about it, it leaks out up here all the time. I'm not sure if it's for you or for me, but I just assume it's for both of us. So here's one of them. In Proverbs where it says, above all else, guard your heart. For out of it, everything flows. Above all else, guard your heart because out of that, everything flows. When our heart begins getting this and learning what it means to live with a mindset of humility, 
God's grace comes. Right? The solution to pride is only humility. Nothing else will take it down. Right? And so, as I think about Paul's kind of heart, it's like, I think what he was thinking, like, how could this, what would this look like if that would happen? So I want us just to convert that into us. Like, what would it be like for us as Vineyard Community Church to have this mindset of humility throughout our church? Just imagine what this would be. Just take even increments. If you can't imagine it completely, just switch over. Like, what if this just started increasing? That more and more people begin having a unified mindset of thinking this way of being able to understand that and put themselves in a place and begin humbling themselves and actually seeing the other as part of themselves. Not Their interests aren't their interests and my interests are my interests. It's our interests. And I want to give myself to that person and serve them. Not out of motivation to try to get something back or to out of guilt, but because God's, we understand this is what God's given us and we're living in this. You know, I started just kind of dreaming about this. Danielle gave me a few thoughts to it, so I'll give her some credit because I kind of just stole most of them. Uh, but the first one is this. I think what we see in the text here is that a humble community experiences God's favor and is filled and led and formed by the Spirit. That's the big picture. In other words, this whole understanding of in our hearts we begin having this as a mindset, it is like undamming the Spirit. The grace of God falls in, and pride stops. And so as with how humility comes, you are going to see the things that God does when His Spirit moves, we are going to find His favor, and we are going to be filled with His Spirit, we're going to be led by His Spirit, and we'll be formed by His Spirit. And in those spots, those are the places that Paul talks about, all those things of encouragement. So what that means is what that would feel like is when you are ever around a group of us, whether it's in the parking lot, a small group, and a Sunday morning or hanging out, when you're around those people who have this mindset, you experience God in a way that you find it's encouraging to be here. Right? It's, it's actually so comforting to be here because these people are a part of me and we're connected in this way. I find myself liking people better really enjoying more and more people, especially these people that were different than me. Now I see them in a, in a different way. And then I think the cool thing is we get to be a part. Do you know that great feeling when I've had some of you tell me, this is what God did, and after you tell me, I'm just like, that was, it just changed me, right? It affected me because you shared the things that are going on or I've, I've entered into your pain and those things happen as well. So this place in which that we get to be a part of, each, of how God is working in each other's lives. Now, another thing is, is this. Is a humble community, this is, it's a safer community because in a humble community, a humble community admits its weaknesses to each other and those who are outside the community both. Humble people... Don't pretend things or raise themselves up and try to look really good for that neighbor next door to them because they want them to hide what the, who they are so they can get Jesus across to them. And when they come to church, they don't like cover things up. A humble community allows you to not be afraid 
to be in your weakness, right? That's what it makes safety in a place like that. And so, and then I would say, because we can, like you say, we, we find God in, enter into the struggles and things that people are going through, but we also find, we don't find that, I'm not sure what you, you go see here. Give the offering again, please. All right. All right. Next one on. For some reason. I think I, all right, there we go. Hey, hey, like that. It's actually, it actually went back around all the way. So, so another one is this, this, is a humble community uses its strength to bless others while letting others bless them with their strengths. Is this cool? I mean, when you can admit your weaknesses and have no shame in knowing this is a place for, to experience God, but we can actually share our strengths with each other. I cannot tell you how many of your strengths have blessed my life. And I'm not just talking about Emily McCall editing my, my every letter I give. It's, it's, it's not that. That's part of it. But it's everything. It's a place in which that we have all these different things we're lacking. And we can actually use our strengths to help others because they're a part of us. And then... This is a big one. A humble community surrenders to God's plan for that community. Now this is one that we're, still, we're learning as we go here on this one. But I'm telling you, this is a big one. You know, I have a lot of ideas where I want this church to go. I'm not saying they're all wrong, but that's not a good premise to start your life and your leadership of the church on. A humble community understands that only God knows how he wants to form this church. And a humble community isn't someone who jumps out ahead of that. A humble community is a people to be able to surrender to what God wants to shape among us and not hang on to what we think it should be. And this is dynamic because what God has for us at church is way better than we could possibly imagine. I just want to share one story and then we'll get into the invitation. It's a story that, you know, I know me. I have stories I repeat over and over in my mind. It's just the way God made me. But I think about particular things that stand out. And as I was reflecting on my life, many of you, all of you have heard my story typically about my brother and I'm not walking with Jesus, and he becomes a Christian, and he shares everything with me all the time of the Bible, and then, you know, I, then God comes and the Spirit's there, and I commit my life fully to Jesus. But I started thinking about that, and I thought, was that really how that happened? And, and I would say it's still true how that happened. But what I understand now was the church was in my house. Him and his friends... Mike and Chuck and my brother and a couple other guys would come into my house and they were humble. <laughs> and they were thinking about my interest. You know, I knew we looked at things very differently. They knew I was hiding all kinds of stuff. I, but I could tell they saw me and we're there. It was like David's in the room. Let's serve David. 
I mean, it was that crazy. Like, they were just, like, interacting with me, not thinking about what they wanted to do. And here's the wild thing. My brother was one of these people, and so maybe I could write the rest of them off like, well, they just were nice people before Jesus. Now, I'm not saying my brother wasn't a nice person before Jesus. No, he wasn't that nice a person before Jesus. But, but my brother, I used to beg him to give me rides, and he created ways I had to pay for it, right? Uh, and pretty much didn't want anything to do with me, except if it helped him get out of trouble usually. And all of a sudden, my brother is like, you know, right? I'm thinking, what? I mean, you want to ride? I'll buy that. I, I think, well, this must be how you get people into Christianity, and then they drop you or something like this, right? Because this is crazy. I've never free rides. Okay, so I mean, I started drinking, but his friends were the same way. They're so kind, and they would, they would think about me and interact with me in a way that they saw me, and, and I could tell they just, now I can see theologically. God just, they were humble. <laughs> and they were servants. And, but even after I became a Christian, one of the most significant things was is I, was, I had a car that I drove a little fast and I broke a, uh, the transmission in, the, in a, automatic transmissions for those technical people. Automatic transmissions are close to impossible to fix and they cost you a fortune and I'm broke. My brother, in the middle of winter, took my automatic transmission out, tore it apart, put it back together in freezing cold with lots of pain. And I remember looking at him and thinking to myself, you are not the person I knew before. I, I don't know how anybody could do this because it was not fun. And he didn't charge me a dime. He didn't mention it. And I realized we can have production up here and we can have uh, well-placed sermons and information, but if we want to experience what this has for our church, it's going to be this. It's us becoming the people God has asked us to be and and moving from individualism to the place that we are a family and we are a we are fellow citizens and we realize that you are part of me and I'm a part of you. And we have this thing that God has given us, this ability to have a mindset of humility. And we can humble ourselves when pride takes us, not because we have the, imp we have the, the, the grit and the determination, but because we have Jesus to help us do that. So the worship team can come up. So here's my invitation for our time. Just this week, today, ask the Holy Spirit to help you see pride and selfishness, selfish ambition in contrast to humility and how they affect your relationships in the church. Just begin to ask him that. He's, he, doesn't, he wants to bring light to these things, encourage you in these things. He won't shame you, but just ask him. Let him, let him pay, pay attention to those places of how that affects you. And then ask God to show you a specific way or ways that you can, well, you can do what it says in verses 3 and 4. Think about this place, because we practice, right? If you want to learn to read the Bible, you practice learning how to hear God out of the Bible, right? 
And if you want to learn to pray, you practice learning how to pray. If you want to learn to give, you practice learning how to give, right? That's how God teaches you. Step out and trust, and he teaches you as you go. And in humility, we need to understand how do we do this place of choosing to allow God to make us a servant and humbling ourselves. And a lot of the practice is just thinking about somebody else and saying, what is their interest? And God, would you like me to put that above my own at this point? And when he says, yeah, you'll do it and you won't be exhausted. You'll be feeling God's life.